0: Hey there, welcome to How I Got Hired. This is a show about ordinary people like you and me and how they created extraordinary success in their career. My name is Sonal Behel, an international career strategist and founder of Supercharge. I strongly believe that a fulfilling career is a birthright and not a privilege for the lucky few who have access to prestigious education, capital, and networks. I am now on a mission to democratize access to high-value career advice with my digital courses, with my YouTube channel, and yes, with this podcast. So listen, you deserve to have a career you actually love. Even if you just got laid off, even if you took years of work to take care of a family member, even if you are underpaid
1: and overworked.
0: If you're looking for practical strategies and tactics to build a career and life that you are proud of, you are in the right place. Welcome. And once you're done listening, I want you to walk away with this singular thought. If they could do it, I can do it too. Now grab your favorite warm beverage and let's get started. Hey there, welcome back. My guest today is an Indian-born woman working in the u.s with a mexican company <laughs> tanu Greywall is based in houston texas and has had an unconventional career trajectory that's one of my favorite subjects tanu is a marketing leader today with experience in branding performance PL, operations all of the good stuff. And this is what she claims is her superpower. I'm now just gonna read out a a few of the things from her LinkedIn profile because it's really, really well written. Having worked at Fortune 100 companies, she knows what good looks like. And she's also worked in startup environments and knows how to fly the plane while building it. I love it. So today we're gonna talk about Tanu's journey from India to the United States And how she secured that coveted work permit that we (laughs) all have heard about and how hard that is. And how she got that, you know, through sheer hard work. And I know this conversation is going to help you no matter what your own background is. Tanu, very warm welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Really excited for this conversation. As am I, Tanu. So we're going to get into it. And, you know, just to sort of paint the picture for our audience, talk to us about your life before the U.S. Where were you in India and what made you move to the U.S. as an adult?
1: Yes, so really there was no plan to move to the U.S. I was living and working in New Delhi. I was actually working with the Oberoi group of hotels and really having a good time and then I met my husband-to-be and he had already moved to the U.S., And it seemed like a good adventure to do, uh, like, as a a young adult. Uh, At that point in time, it wasn't something that was going to be, you know, permanent or whatever. I don't think you even thought about longevity. Uh, It was just something exciting to do. Um, So, yeah, I got married and I I moved to
0: Houston. It's always love, right? There's always that Silly little <laughs> love with the bag of things. Yeah, exactly. And and for all the non-Indian uh, listeners, Oberoi Group of Hotels is a very elite group of hotels, right? And and Tanu, what were you doing there?
1: So I was in a leadership development program for them, and like you said, it's a really um, elite program. It's really hard to get in. Uh, it was always considered to be a leadership pipeline not just for the mm. hospitality industry but even beyond that
0: right and, and, and so what, th- what do you think helped you tanu to get hired into that leadership program because i'm sure it was and you know being in a place yeah. like india right i'm sure it was so competitive to get it, in it was it was super competitive uh, and you know
1: remembering back to the day it was it was a bunch of interviews then you had that sort of group discussion right where you're in yeah. this group you're supposed I to i don't miss
0: that stuff uh, i don't you know, know.
1: And yeah. it was kind of like this weird mix of you had to be sort of like, you know, uh, forceful and emphatic, but also collaborative. So it's kind yeah. of like that, maneuvering those dynamics in a group discussion. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think some of it was also, you know, my, I think I just have to be thankful to the way my parents brought me up. My father was in the armored forces. Uh, so just moved around a lot. Uh, and that just gave me the ability to be able to connect to different kinds of people. Um, talk about a wide, varied range of subjects, um, you know, connect with people immediately and be able to sort of build that connection and that rapport in an interview. I think some of those innate skills were developed just as a part of my my upbringing.
0: Um, and and the confidence, right? And Absolutely. Uh, that comes from yeah. being uh, what we call in India, an army brat. Uh, it yeah. just, it comes with the territory.
1: It comes with the territory. You have, you move around so much, you just have yeah. to be able to connect with people. And I think that confidence is, is a
0: part of that. Right, right. So so what year is this, Tanu, when you moved to the U.S.? So I moved in 2001. 2001. And and yep. talk to us about what that time was like. I want to hear about those obstacles because people uh-huh. outside the U.S., you know, who have this so-called American dream, it's like this is the life, right? The dream, yep. which is basically zero nightmares in the middle of it but we all know that it's not easy so Mm -hmm. talk to us about like that journey to securing employment and then the green card and then citizenship all of that stuff from 2001 to 2020 it's a loaded question (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so yeah so I moved here in
1: 2001 and I think my immediate plan at that time was you know I this great experience with a great company I'll, I'll just go over there and send out my resumes to a bunch of, you know, hotels and hospitality groups and land a job. Well, I moved here on May 1st, 2001, and mm. we all know what happened on yes. September 11th, September, right? Or, I, yes. I remember watching on the TV, seeing that happen. Uh, and that just ch- completely changed the environment of the, of the country, right? I mean, H-1B just got sort of really... Um, low in number and availability people just stopped hiring there was just a lot of like a, there was a big change um and at that time i thought you know i have to do something different and started thinking about you know shifting my my trajectory a little bit and you know coming from this sort of background going and doing a masters degree was always something that was on the plan and now i knew more than ever that having a brand in a new country is really really important right because one of the the obstacles would be i tell people you know my experience and not many people would know who the overall group of hotels even was right and and so you have this brand that you build or you're starting to build as a young adult and and you come to a different country and you realize it doesn't have any value and i
0: so- i, I want to pause you here that's so important because you know um uh, i'm thinking of this expression it's in hindi i'm going to translate it into english it's going to make absolutely no sense and it's going to fall flat it's like uh, a lion at home and a pussycat outside so it's like the oberoi group of hotels so cool so impressive in mm-hmm. india but in the us they're like that's no hilton we don't know what you're talking about so what you're like is. we don't know what it is so you're maybe taking a couple of steps back to absolutely. take 10 steps forward right and that is humbling that is ego going out the window so I love that you're talking from experience Mm -hmm. about brand because I'm pretty sure you weren't thinking at the time I need to build up my brand you were like I need a job (laughs) I need a job and I think I I, what I really knew at that point in time Sonal
1: was that I need a few brands on my resume that people can understand and that will help people kind of you know put their arms around what my experience and what I bring to the table, right? And I, oftentimes yeah. the easiest way to do that is to borrow the equity of brands that are already established.
0: Yes, right? 100%. And, and so, September 11 happens, it doesn't exactly help. It no. throws a wrench in the in the whole you know, mm-hmm. mix. What did you do after that?
1: So I uh, decided that, you know, I wanted to, at that point, actually for a minute there, I thought I'll go to law school and I started preparing for my LSAT. Then I spoke to a few people and realized that you know, law school was going to be really limiting in in terms of scope, right? And if I ever wanted to move back to India, it was just, it was going to be, uh, the value of the degree would be different. Uh, So really, I think after doing that, I started talking to different people about maybe doing an MBA. And that then sounded to be more closer Mm. to what I wanted. Mm. So, you know, um, and again, at that time, uh, we were in Houston. My husband was working here. So uh, Rice University here in in Houston. Is a big institution. And uh, so applied there, uh, got through. And, uh, you know, really, that was the first brand that that was sort of going to be on my resume. And then the second one was going to be the internship that I did. I was really looking forward to it. And lo and behold, I discovered that I had gotten a little bit of uh, wrong legal advice in that I was on an H4, which is a spousal Mm -hmm. visa. Mm. you can absolutely study on that visa but you cannot do any kind of internship on that uh, and so so i found that out i would say a couple of months before the summer when, when the internships were going to start and oh no. another wrench right yeah because the point of going was let, let's get a couple of you know get a good education but also get a couple of good brands and experiences yeah. yeah. right? and uh, and come to find out i couldn't so Changed course and pivoted a little bit, started talking to a few alumni and, you know, through them, I landed my internship back in India with Coca-Cola ah. in, in New Delhi. Yeah, so I actually yeah. traveled back to Delhi, spent three, four months there and I worked uh, on a brand called Georgia Gold that Coca-Cola was trying to launch. It was a brand of tea and coffee yeah. uh, that was dispensed okay. through machines. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a great experience, uh, a very traditional CPG brand internship, got to touch every aspect.
0: Most um, importantly, you didn't need permission to work in India. Exactly.
1: That was the thing. Right. So I went back yeah. and, and I could work there and, and again, came back after, you know, um, having done really interesting internship. And I think uh, also because back in India, all my peers in India, uh, if most people don't know this. Uh, you know, people go from undergrad directly to grad school. Yes. And So I was the only one who was actually had a little bit of work experience between that. And so that gave me a little bit of an edge because I could yeah. look at things differently and approach yeah. things differently. So really. And uh, maturity
0: as well, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting, did that. Um, and then I came back and then in my second year started looking for for jobs and realized yeah. that I think the Coca-Cola experience had given me a very good idea of what I wanted to do. I wanted to do consumer marketing. Mm. Unfortunately, most of the big CPG companies in the U.S., the Procter and Gamble's, the Unilevers, mm. do not do H-1Bs for marketing. At least oh, they didn't man. do it back then, right? Okay. So those okay. big, this big pillar of companies that I really was aspiring to work at was out of reach. So I would start talking to a recruiter. Um, they would kind of ha- go through a round or two, then they would ask me the question, Do you have authorization to work for <sighs> And it would be like, wah, wah, wah. and you know, like <laughs> back to square one. And oh um, gosh. it kind of like, you know, it was it was, it was it, back there, it was really disappointing. I'm I'm glad I can laugh about it now. But but I think what I what I quickly, you know, discovered from networking and talking to different people who had gone through this approach was that. You have to now pivot and look at what are the companies that actually do sponsor, and then within that ecosystem, who are the ones backwards? That fit, mm. Yeah, mm. Fit, fit with your you know the desired sort of profile that you want. Um, so that's what I did, and um, you know one of my mentors had told me uh, to do this sort of carpet bombing approach. So tell everyone what you're looking for. So I think if you met me at a party, you met me was sitting next to me at a plane. Uh, or you met me at a conference, I was talking to you about what I what I was looking for, right? So yeah. just really crowdsource information. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn was like sort of very nascent. Stages, nascent, right? yeah. Very yeah. nascent. So uh, it was really more of that old-fashioned networking. And we used to have, uh, you know, these career fairs for, for MBAs. One was called yeah. the National Society of Hispanic MBAs. One was called the National Black MBA. So those both those career fairs, um, you know, I figured as a person of color, I could, you know, maybe go there, and um so that's how I ended up meeting um this lady at the whirlpool booth, which was my ended up being my first employer. Uh, I was actually just going by their booth, and there was a lady standing there, and her name tag said Shiva. And mm-hmm. Shiva, as you know, Sonal, yes. is a very the male name, right? So it's a yes. Hindu god, but it's a very yes. name. So I didn't never me. met, never me. met a woman called Shiva, right? And so I reached up to her and I said, hey, you know, interesting. How come your name's Shiva and yada, yada? So we got to talking and she said, hey, um, you know, I'm in the recruiting team for for Whirlpool. Um, Looks like, you know, you're here to look for a job, too. We have a couple of open slots in an hour. Would you like to interview with us? And I was like, hey, why? What, What do I have to lose, right? And then I rushed back because apart from knowing that they made appliances, I knew very little about what they did. Uh, and back in the day right there was no um there was no internet or wi-fi or iphone so i opened up my flip phone (laughs) called my husband and said hey go to their website open up their annual report and start giving me some stats right now sweetheart now now, right this is where you (laughs) this is huge value addition uh so i i remember sitting in sort of like this corridor and you know on the floor with my pen and my phone and just sort of noting down things and within an hour i had a a good sense of what the company was, what their business was, what their numbers looked like. Um, so yeah, I interviewed with them, got through the first round. Um, they invited me back up to Michigan um, to do the second. And they knew round. from
0: from the get go about the work authorization yes. thing. That was okay. yes. So by
1: the time I I had got my routine down, right. So already asked them, do you guys sponsor visas? And I think Whirlpool was one of those companies that had really understood the value of of international talent Talent. Um, also because you know they're about two hours east of Chicago so they're a really small town of 5,000 people it's called St. Joseph Michigan and uh, so they were finding it a little bit hard to attract talent Mm. and so you know very innovative approach they said Mm. one of the ways that we can get really good talent is go to all of these universities and get international talent and sponsor visas and sponsor green cards. So uh, they 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 were really, I think that was really smart of them. Mm. Um, and they were on their way. So this is what I really liked about them. When I talked to the folks, when I went up to uh, St. Joseph, they said, we are an engineering driven company today. And we really are on this journey to become a brand led company. And that mm. was really something that was Spoke very attractive to, to mm. me. Yeah, mm. And that was like this, this, checked off the boxes of, yes, they'll do the, the work authorization, but they'll also, you know, be a fit with where I want to go in my career, right? It'll help me grow my my skill set. Um,
0: so I think that was really attractive and that, that's I how I'm getting my first job with them. Amazing. I, I checked multiple boxes, which we all want. Uh, my goodness, I'm going to recap a couple of things here back for Myself and also for my listener, because you went through a lot in these Mm -hmm. last few minutes. Uh, I was smiling, uh, like grinning widely from ear to ear when you talked about law school. I wanted to prepare for the LSAT. (laughs) It reminded me of this conversation I had with this uh, lawyer a few months ago on the podcast. He's one of the top lawyers in the country. And and, uh, we chatted about... You know, because this is 2001 for you, right? So this is the peak of, you know, shows like uh, Ali Big Bill and Private Practice. And he's like, it's so cringy that people think that's what law school is. Uh, Reality is very different. So I'm glad in a way that you were so passionate about branding. I'm glad that you didn't find out through law school that that's what you wanted to do and (laughs) that MBA... MBA was closer to you. It's so important when we are making those type of decisions to talk to people who are a little bit ahead of the curve, right? Where we want to be. And some people said to you, you can get where you want to be without narrowing yourself down so much into something Mm -hmm. like law school. So I'm I'm so glad that that uh, worked out. And uh, there's so many problems. Tanu, that came up in the way and bravo, bravo for not giving up because if you had we wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation. Problem Absolutely. number one, I'm ready for my internship. It's fantastic. I can't wait. Oops, uh, it's a couple of months to go and I am apparently not eligible to work in this country. Mm-hmm. Damn it, what's going on? And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's an L1 visa, right? That's much more like spouse, let's the spouse hey. work it.
1: The L, yeah, I think there's the L1A or L1B. I'm not as familiar with Yeah, those, Which is not yeah, the they, one you had. <laughs> no. So I, what I needed was an H1B or an yeah. F1. Yeah.
0: Actually, yeah. I needed an
1: F1 to be able to study and do an internship.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you did a whole PhD in the last few years yeah. and we'll, we'll talk about your <laughs> PhD in visas. So you were like, okay, what is it that I can do? Where can I work? I can't work back home in India. I'm going to take advantage and do this fantastic mm-hmm. internship. So what if it's not uh, in the target location? We'll figure that out. You did that. Um, the importance of mentors, right? And you were talking to people and I like the term, did you say carpet bombing? Yeah,
1: yeah, Carpet bombing, <laughs> Anyone. Right.
0: I talk about this as well, but I don't call it that, but it's like so cool. Anyone and everyone who gets to know you should immediately know and feel a little bit of an urgency that you feel you're passing mm-hmm. it on, but you're not annoying people, but you're still like, Hey, so this is what yeah. I'm looking for, but you know something. Do you know anyone? And just keep me in mind. I'd love to. They're like, Oh, yeah, sure, I'll think of somebody. So that's um how the thing spread out. And and lastly, the thing about curiosity, right? Uh, it's a little nerve-wracking for a lot of people to these when you go to these career fairs, it's like, What do I do? What do I say? It is so <laughs> awkward. Yeah. And you were like, I me go with an open mind, I have nothing to lose. Did you? Have this name tag called Shiva. Like, that is so interesting that your name, Mm -hmm. you strike up a conversation, one thing leads to another. You're working with Whirlpool. Yeah. Right? You don't know anything about the company, you don't know as much about the company to get employed. You know the basics through ads and commercials on TV. Yeah. But you found a solution through the good old-fashioned Nokia, <laughs> Motorola. <laughs> None of those brands are that active now, right? About Flip phone yeah, and yeah. you figured it out. So I love it. And and Whirlpool, like walk us through it. Tanu, how was the journey? How long did you stay there? And And what happened next?
1: Oh my God, I landed in Whirlpool in St. Joseph the first day. And I went out for a drive. And from one end of the town to the other was 15 minutes and i remember thinking to myself what have i done
0: <laughs> where have i come and and this is um minus your spouse it was just you so no actually both
1: of us moved but he was consulting in those days so i had moved by myself and you know he was sort of just showing up on the weekends okay and okay. Uh, so yeah this 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 whole exploration process was happening just by myself and i think you know i never lived in such a small town before And I thought to myself, I said, you know what, I have to make it somehow I have to make it through one year. Otherwise, it doesn't look good on my resume. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then eight years later is when I ended up leaving because Whirlpool was just this fantastic company that they really were on this journey. And because they were part of this journey, there was a lot that was happening. Within a year, there was a an an acquisition of Maytag and a couple of other new brands and I think one of the things that I found was they they did have a leadership development program that I was a part of, but it wasn't as I would say strict as maybe some of the other sort of traditional CPG companies would have
0: been as as robust. Uh huh. Right. Uh-huh. So it helped uh-huh. me. It allowed
1: me to sort of you know keep on networking inside the company to understand what different people were doing and how I wanted to shape my career. And so really, I think that was one of the other non-obvious choices that I made was to go in this company. And in the beginning, I'll I'll be very honest. I didn't think that was such an advantage. I was still pining for, oh, well, you know, if I only had gotten through a PNG or whatever, if I had an access to that. But I think at Whirlpool, because of the merger, there were new brands that came into the fold. There were new roles that opened up. And I kept on that whole idea of networking even within the company. So I had this rule of, you know, doing lunch with a new person every week. It was a massive company just to mm. try to understand who does what at the beginning mm. of your career. I think it's really important. And I still feel that in a lot of companies today, it's not only what you know, but it's who you know mm. that defines your success. Right. Mm. And I think that networking really helped me do that. It helped me then understand, OK, I want to go from here to here to here and collect all these different experiences. So I ended up doing, you know, consumer experience center to uh, something called merchandising, which was a mix of trade marketing and supply chain. And from there, I went into product development. Then I went into classical brand management, sort of p innovation, and what I call omni-channel performance marketing. And I think because I was building up these sort of unique skill sets, at oftentimes I was the only one who had, you know, both product and brand, or, you know, omni-channel and brand. And I think that really helped me shaped my career within Whirlpool. And then at some point I wanted to do an expat assignment. And so again, I carpet bombed everybody, told everybody within Whirlpool, I want to do an expat assignment. That's actually how I ended up getting it was one of my mentors found out that they were looking for someone to manage the Whirlpool brand in EMEA and um, you know added me to the, the interview docket. And I getting I ended up getting the role and, and moved over to to Italy. And uh, that was a fantastic experience. Um, super it was like drinking from this giant fire hose giant fire hose because it was just a massive jump um in you know my scope my team uh we were managing 33 countries out of emea all mm-hmm. of these different countries had out of Italy out which, of Italy. Which city uh, a city called varese it's mm-hmm. about forty minutes from Milan mm-hmm. and uh yeah I mean it it's like you know France has, the, the brand's been there for 25 years. They have a big team and, you know, fully sort of mature brand. And then you have Israel where we only have a distributor network. And, and it, was, it was a very interesting decentralized sort of a network where a lot of the content creation and campaign creation happened centrally, but the media allocation was done in the market. So you had to have a lot of influence and you had to sell in ideas and it, it, was, it was fun.
0: Yeah my gosh uh, this is so cool i um i want to double click on a few things that you talked mm-hmm. about so the first is um you know there's an ex- there's a poet there's in fact an american poet and the expression is the squeaky wheel gets the oil mm-hmm. right you, you know this yep. one yep. so Uh, I want an expat assignment I want an expat assignment if you don't mouth it open to people they are not brain uh, mind readers right so you said it however what makes your story different from others who may sound like they're whining or complaining what makes your story different is having invested the time and taking the courage to have lunch with the new person every week, by the way, that's not something that's easy. And I don't want to get into labeling extroverts, introverts. Sometimes it's not easy. You're like to reach out to this global vice president, this one. I don't know. Should I, should I not? You were like, you know what? Screw it. Who cares? I'm going to do it. So when the time comes and you're like, I want this assignment and this uh, opportunity opens up. You're top of mind, right? And as a brand, top of mind recall is so important. And you're like, absolutely. actually, the name came up. Ah, Tanu. Yeah, I had coffee with her a few weeks ago. The impression is already positive because, you know, you're a nice person. You want to help people. You're new in the company. You've done all these assignments. And I heard you say supply chain, merchandising, product development. Amazing. So many cool things. And that's how you made it happen. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's beautiful. And the second thing I want to say is, this is a very tricky one. Uh, a lot of times, and you you confirmed it, Tanu, a lot of times we base our decisions, and rightfully so, we base our decisions on the location. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a small town in the middle of nowhere, 5,000 people. What? What? I'm not going to live there. What is that called in the map? St. Joseph, Michigan. What is that? Verezee? 40 minutes you look la- it up. You have to look it up, right? I don't yeah. want to live there. I can't even spell it. I can't even spell it. Where is it on the map? I don't want to live there. Well, it's your loss, right? They'll find someone else to take your place. But uh, I'm glad you looked past it and didn't use that as a decision-making criteria. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, but the, it's easy for you to say, Sonal. I mean, I'd rather live in Paris or Milan or Rome. I get it. I get it. But that's not always where the most juicy jobs are.
1: Yeah, and you said it, right? That the juicy jobs. The juicy jobs sometimes are in the most unglamorous locations. But you know what I will say is once you go to a place and you realize the the, the human factor of it, we had so many sort of, you know, young adults internationally because that's one of the, the recruitment pillars that Whirlpool had, had, you know, really laid a lot of focus on um we had so many international people so you were in a bubble we in were in the middle a middle of uh, nowhere bubble <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and it snows yes. a lot you spend a yes. lot of quality time at dinner parties. indoors so, yes long story yes. short you build such strong friendships now we, we yes. call it the whirlpool mafia we joke about it but any city any city in the world that i go to i know i have someone there and i can just you know we, we were in tokyo a couple of years ago um there was an ex-colleague staying there. I, I I reached out to her on Facebook. She was like, yes, let's do dinner. And she took us to places we would have never found on our own. Yeah. And I mean, that's the power of that network. That's the power. Well. And it's, it's, it's much those, more.
0: Yeah. It's much more than networking. And and that's one of my favorite things is when we're networking, it you know, oh, I have an agenda. There is no agenda. You become friends at the end of it. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, um, so, you know, and I also want to add this in industry, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in, specifically not so much consulting or banking but industry that actually Mm -hmm. manufactures a product not a service a product Mm -hmm. that is in remote locations because factories can't spring up in the middle of manhattan they can't spring up in the middle of new delhi they need area they need square footage right which means small towns but they also breathe life into the small towns so beautiful and and you stayed eight years um tanu in purple and you did After that, a few other fantastic companies Um, and you're doing amazing work today. And I highly recommend I'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. I want people to start following you. You also post on LinkedIn regularly. Um, We were chatting backstage just before I pressed record and you you were talking about this 11 year (laughs) journey to securing the work permit. And, you know, the average amount of time it can vary. And you're like, it's one of the things I want to I want to give back so people don't take as long as I did so talk to us about this tanu if you had to do it all over again when I say it I don't just mean like applications for work permit but also you know the cold career trajectory uh, and moving around in different jobs etc if you had to do it all over again is there anything you would do differently
1: you know I've thought about that a lot like I said earlier on when I first started my career I really was pining for that traditional Sort of career in CPG ladder, you know. yeah. And yeah. but now I, when I step back and I see the experiences I was able to get are so unique, and that those experiences were really instrumental in me, you know, working with my current company, which is Allen, which which I talk about is a little bit of a startup here in the U.S. It's a huge company in in Mexico, but um, but if I hadn't done all of that, you you can't function and be effective in a startup as as much as i think i have been able to because of my experiences so i think then you sort of retrospectively look back and say oh wow those things happened for a reason and really prepared me for where i am today and to be able to add the value that i that i can so so i think i wouldn't change anything on that angle from an immigration journey hmm. um oh boy uh, it took us 11 years also because india and china have this big backlog hmm. so you know i don't know if everybody knows there's a quota for the mm. green cards right every country has a quota and of course the number of applicants from China and India are just so much that if you apply in a certain year you you will only they'll only open up and close and the quota closes then the next batch people get get uh, processed but it the backlog gets keeps getting added Accumulated.
0: Right? yeah exactly
1: so even though I filed I think in 2007. We ended up getting it in 2011. But by that time, I'm I'm just counting my time from, you know, when when I landed here, mm. my husband was supposed to, you know, process his green card with his employer and the whole IT.com bust happened. That, mm. So we went through this whole journey there. And so at some point, we actually had two green card applications running. So one under mm. my husband's name, one under mine. And they were under different, um, you know, categories and all of that stuff. But rules, because, yeah. Yeah. because took us eleven years from when I landed here to getting that green card in, in your hand. And you know, oftentimes there's not much you can do there.
0: No. Um, waiting is the, the
1: worst though. It's the waiting is the worst. And um, you know, you have to keep on renewing your visas, and then there's there's points in time when you can't travel because it uh, so it's it's a part of you have to sign up for that knowingly and things may move faster based on what category you come in what what you file and how you file and things like that but the only thing i would say is just be very aware of what your lawyers are doing for you be very involved like check your applications i've seen people making clerical errors stay on top of your application i, I think those are the kinds of things that maybe i would just um ask it's people so
0: important do. what you said because we take it for granted and we 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 place so much faith and hope into mm-hmm. our lawyers for these things right but going back to when you did your mba right you got bitten quite badly actually with bad legal yeah. advice that yeah. ended up costing you a very coveted internship which you ended up okay you know all's well that ends well you went mm-hmm. to coca cola in india but it you know it's so important that you're like you said you don't take it for granted you you stay on top of things even if the so called experts look like they know what they're doing
1: Absolutely, and nobody will be able to. No, nobody's a bigger advocate for you than you yourself are, right? That's just the reality of it. They have a hundred cases, and you only have one. So, so just stay on top of it. Ask questions if something doesn't smell right. Ask why.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, classically, Tanu, most people, you know, like we're we're in your case, right? Uh, moved abroad <laughs> for love, uh, followed the spouse. People tend to move out of their current location, either because they're following a partner or there is uh, higher studies involved. Now, someone listening today is like, wow, that sounds like fun. I want to be able to work. I don't mind in the middle of nowhere. In fact, I would love that anonymity where nobody knows me and start from scratch because I had that in Uruguay in the middle of nowhere. And it it was so exhilarating, right? Yeah. So someone who's listening today is like, I want to do that. However, you know, my partner, I don't either I don't have one or that's not, you know, um, something that's in scope for me in the future to follow him or her or uh, studying further. What would you what advice would you give to this person who wants to get started uh, on an international career journey?
1: You know, now I think the avenues are so much open, more open than they were ba- mm. back in the day, right? Mm. Uh, the traditional routes where you, you know, you got married or you came here for education. Now, I think a lot of companies are very open. They understand uh, the value that, you know, a lot of brands in India have, for example, what what work they're doing. I think it's just a different, a
0: completely different And the free work. trade oh. agreements also are so much Absolutely. more like relaxed and, and hungry. For talent, talent uh, Absolutely. From, uh, so there's so talent. many
1: ways, right? I mean, there's the traditional sort of uh, education route, there's a job route, there's now, you know, you can come and open a business here, you can become an influencer here. I mean, there's just, I think it's about really, I think the, the focus is having a strategy, right? So really having a strategy, but basing that strategy on data talk to a lot of people, really figure out what, what different kinds of people are doing, how they entered the country, what, what worked for them, what didn't. Talk to people who have corporate careers, but also talk to entrepreneurs, right? people who have opened up businesses here. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of different avenues, but really knowing what you want and how to go about doing that is really important. Ha- have a really clear, concise strategy. Yeah.
0: And what was your strategy, um, Tano? that helped you to where you are today
1: yeah i think um, for me i'm a i'm a brand person so i think creating my personal brand right so my my personal narrative and the story can be wild but it has to have a connection right it has to have some sort of essence of why you move from here to there uh you know were the actions that just kind of happened to you or were you willful in making them happen. And I think it can be a combination of the two, right? Some things happened to me earlier on in my career. I I got to work on the revival of this Maytag brand, which is an iconic brand that we had acquired and it was languishing. And -hmm. I was on that team where we relaunched 95% of the product line, really launched a lot of, you know, industry first uh, campaigns and claims. And that happened to me by accident, I was chosen. But once I saw that I really loved this kind of work, from there on, there was a, a, you know, specific outreach to say, I want to work on this brand now and I want to work on this brand now, right? So my current role here, um, you know, is a company uh, sort of revitalization. We were selling brands that were selling in Mexico and we realized that there was a lot more potential. So, you know, when I got hired, we had these three brands and I was told that you can, uh, you you know you you need to reposition and relaunch them, and so I knew already when they started talking to me that that's the kind of work that I really enjoy doing, and that I'm good at. So I think that combination was really impactful in me taking this role, and then you know the the success that we've had. So I think that yeah. that is really important: is having your yeah. own personal brand and your own personal yeah. brand and
0: having clarity on what you like and what you're good at. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and those uh, two have is- to match. They have to match uh, and, and you take, you take charge of that. That's brilliant. Um, I did my MBA in uh, 2008 and I remember we did a business case on Maytag and and uh, mm-hmm. complete turnaround. Yeah. So there's a very good chance. You were actually working on it at the time and I was talking about you, but we didn't know each other. That is so cool. I love, I love these fun facts. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, Tanu we're coming close to the end and there's a particular question that I ask every guest of mine, which is, when you look back on your 20 plus years, actually, right, of your career, is there one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success? Absolutely. I think it's my expat assignment.
1: Uh, like I said, wow. I went from managing one person to managing a team of 10 plus people, all of whom were more experienced than me, had more tenure with the company and were you know, from vastly different backgrounds, right? They were all from different nationalities because, you know, because of EMEA, even though our headquarters were in Italy, we had people from all over Europe, and so not only are you managing a new team, you're managing yeah. a team that has different
0: motivations, different styles, different communication styles. And not even, let's not even get into the politics side of things, right? Oh and yeah, nobody likes anybody. There's always someone who doesn't like someone, right? Yeah, somebody who's this who's this girl who's less experienced than us in the company. Actually, we're gonna be reporting to her. And where is she from? India? What is she doing here? So going from one, which is manageable, it's like one kid uh, to ten kids, <laughs> taken like away, kid, right? Ten kids. Yes. What What and helped you to thrive in that environment?
1: I think a couple of things. One is even though I was new to EMEA, I had been with Whirlpool for about six plus years, so I I kind of knew my way around. Um, so that that was you know that experience was established. So I knew what I was talking about. I think from a personal standpoint, what really, I think, helped me was growing up in India where there's a multilingual environment yeah. and then kind of going back to EMEA, where is it's, again, a multilingual environment, right? It's not but that it's, scary for you. It's not that scary, but I think, so, I, for example, I would get feedback on, hey, we can actually understand your English better than you know, some of your other expat colleagues because... Maybe because we grew up with different languages, maybe I talk a little slower when I know English is not somebody's first language. I also start to mirror other people's, um, you know, mannerisms or the way they talk or inflections, just because I think that helps people relate and, and talk better. Especially
0: um, in Italy. <laughs> yeah, especially in Italy, right? <laughs> and uh, when everybody, when
1: they would switch to Italian, it looked like they were fighting with each other. But that's what we do in Punjabi too. That's my yeah.
0: Yeah, yes. People, real, <laughs> people don't realize there's probably been some, not probably, I know there's research on the Mediterranean sort of, yes. you know, long like immigration and it reached Northern India. <laughs> so Absolutely. It's like, I, I think there's something there because I
1: felt very much at home there. Uh, my son will now sometimes, you know, hear me and my husband talking in Punjab. He's like, "Why are you guys fighting?" I'm like, "We're not fighting. We're just talking. We're just yeah. animated."
0: Yeah, and so, we're we're talking with love, but it sounds, we're talking like, with we hate, we, it sounds like we hate each other. <laughs> I think oh, that okay. was that, that was important. That, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, and I think That's so on the, the ability to understand what drives different people. And I I I, I have to. I'm eternally grateful for the team that I had because they were really people who gave me some feedback about some simple example right in the u.s you you it's a very individualistic sort of culture right so you're like okay what do you think what do you think if you do that in europe uh, people were like oh is she putting me on the spot like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that i don't know something and that those sort of cultural Cultural nuances nuances, you have to understand so i was like i said i'm very fortunate i was given that feedback and i really just was able to you know,
0: mm-hmm. I I agree. I, I went it's through that. the same, but but people are generally tend to be more forgiving when when they know where it's com- you know who you it's who coming you from are, yes. yeah, and, yes. and where what your intention is. Beautiful Tanu. So I'm gonna um, list your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Is there any other way people can find out more about you? You know, LinkedIn
1: is my uh, my jam. It's my preferred <laughs> uh, you know social platform.
0: So yeah, I think that's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Fantastic. I will definitely do that. Uh, This has been such a pleasure, Tanu. I wish you you so much success with all the cool work you're doing, both at your current company and beyond. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. This was so much fun. Hey, you chose to spend a portion of your day today by allowing me in your ears and brain. That is something I do not take for granted. Thank you. And listen, if you'd like to get social, tag me on LinkedIn or Instagram. What about today's episode really stayed with you? I'd love to know. You know, these episodes are born out of a lot of hard work and a lot of love. So if you leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it really helps to reach even more people. And this means much more than you know. And share this with a friend who you think would enjoy this episode. You know, these little things we do sometimes can have a big impact. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Until next time, bye for now.